Okay, kids, it's time for another episode of the Fueled by Weird podcast. The only podcast to stand nose to nose with Davy Jones and shove him inside his own damn locker. I'm Chris Daly, and today I have the pleasure of chatting with Mr. Fishley. How you doing, sir? Man, I am doing good. I'm having a great day. How are you? I'm doing good. It's nice and early here, and we're just going to get things rolling. Good deal, <laughs> man. I'm always ready to go. All right. So first question, I've actually, you know, we've been friends online for a while, and mm-hmm. I've never actually had a chance to talk to you in person like this. So this will be a good way to kind of, you know, even though before the before the recording, we kind of got to chat a little bit, but um, icebreaker question, what's your favorite comfort TV show? Like, if you just want to turn a show on to have, like, a oh, background noise that man. you've seen a bunch of that you just got, you don't have to pay attention to, but you just, you know, you know what's going to happen. Oh, dude, that's a great question. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I watch a lot of that kind of stuff while I'm working because I yeah. like the background noise. Oh, for but, sure. like, if it's too interesting, I'm watching TV and I'm not paying attention <laughs> to what I'm doing. Yeah. And if it's if it's too complicated, like, mm-hmm. if it's too subtle and, you know, somebody, like, sneaks over and grabs the diamonds when you're not looking and nobody announces that, like, yeah. if I'm working, I missed it completely and I don't know what's going on. Like, so I love, like, NCIS because even if I miss something visual while I'm working, you know, there's a point in the time because it's designed for old people that tend to fall asleep during the show. Gibbs is going to hit that button and he's going to stop the elevator and he's going (laughs) to recap the entire show for the people that fell asleep. So if I missed, you know, somebody sneaking around in the background, that's going to come up. He's going to explain everything. I'm going to know what the red herring was. I'm going to know where we're headed now. And I love I love NCIS for that fact. I can get all the information like a radio drama. He's going to repeat it all, and I'm not going to miss out on anything. So that's, I dig that's, that part. That's awesome. That's super helpful. You know, that way, you know, I've been watching shows where I'll have to rewind because I missed something. Mm-hmm. And that's that's super convenient. Oh, yeah. Um, I know for me, if I'm trying to do some writing in the background, I just want some background noise. Um it's hard to turn on a new show I haven't seen yet because I really want to sit and focus on the new show. Yeah. Um, so for me, there are several shows, but there's one that I always throw to, and that's that 70s show. Oh, that, that 70s show, how I, <laughs> how I Met Your Mother, things like that, I can watch all day long yep. over and over again and, you know, just love them. Like, I just went back through all of um, Perfect Strangers. And oh, nice. it finally came out on streaming. I've been looking for it forever to come out on streaming. And man, I loved it, dude. Yeah, I, I remember watching that show growing up as a kid. That was a great show. But yeah, um, that 70s show is one that I can throw on and I don't have to listen because I know what's going to happen. And, you know, occasionally it will distract me, like you said, where I'll pick up and start kind of trying to watch. But that's that's one of those that, I mean, even one time I finish it all the way through and then I kind of just, I'm like, what else do I watch now? And so I just started it over again. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can watch it a dozen times. And I tend to because it comes on reruns, like on yeah. the over-the-air channels, you know, like because mm-hmm. I've got I've got an actual antenna and stuff because we live out in the country. Yeah. And I can get so many of the regular channels off of that without having to, like, go through satellite that I dig it. It's fine for me. And they have all these extra channels and you get like that 70 show all these reruns of stuff that i can watch all day long except according to jim 
that kind of bugs me because when you watch like yeah. four or five episodes of that in a row, you realize just what an amazing toxic jerk this dude is. Like yeah. one episode a week might be funny. Four or five in a row, that family's <laughs> so messed up. Yeah, man. I know my dad used to watch that show a lot. I never really paid attention too much, but I was always more a fan of his brother anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So for those of you that don't know, Mr. Fishley, when he likes to... When he gets on and does interviews like this, he likes to live draw while we're chatting. So he's actually drawing right now one character that I've created in my own little fictional world that I that I write um, called Greetings from Parts Unknown. This is Wild Bill Hippo. He dresses like the gunslinger from the Dark Tower, but he has a zipper that he keeps in a holster on his hip that he uses to open up multiverse por- portals to other multiverses. So... Um, just kind of have an idea of what's going on here. <laughs> um, but he's only Wild Bill Hippo to his friends. He's actually, his name is William William Potamus. His friends call him Wild Bill, but he doesn't have any friends. That's just the name that the media has dubbed him. So oh, That's beautiful. I love that so much. <laughs> he's kind of a complicated guy, but he's a very simple man. All right. Uh so let's get into things, uh, Fish. So with Fueled by Weird, it's the concept that I came up with about, you know, every th- everybody has things that they're interested in. They might not necessarily be nerdy or not. It's just things that they like doing that makes them who they are. Mm-hmm. So for you, sir, I want to know what kind of things fill your weird. Oh, man. I love storytelling and, and interesting stories. Like that's part of why I love indie comics so much because they will go in such weird directions sometimes. And you, you new things are going to happen. Strange, weird things are going to happen and you don't have a bunch of corporate overlords worrying about what this is going to do to pajama sales or, you know, the cartoon that's coming out or you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. You can just, have your character jump dimensions or go through time or, you know, go to somebody else's world all of a sudden or whatever you want to do. And you can create Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Usagi Yojimbo or Judge Dredd or all of these weird things. And I just love it. That's, that's what I always wanted to do when I was a kid. And now it's my full-time job. So I couldn't be happier. (laughs) That's awesome. And speaking of it being your full-time job, you know, like I've said before, I'm a huge fan of your art style. Um, I've seen you create tons of amazing art for lots of other people. Um, And now you've started getting into doing your own comics, which I think is fantastic. Um, So what is it exactly that got you into, that got you interested in art and, you know, making comics in the first place? I mean, it's kind of a tough question because there's several different things that happened that got me where I am like part of the re for those that don't know and it surprises me still to this day how many people don't know but I I'm a neurodivergent artist and I have ADHD OCD I'm on the autism spectrum I have a severe case of Tourette syndrome which had me in a wheelchair unable to walk talk and see most days for like 15 years because I just shook so constantly I can't imitate the way that I used to shake 
because I've given myself so many concussions over the years from shaking so violently. If I imitate it, if I shake my head no too hard, I will give myself another concussion. So I have to be careful when I talk about how it used to be because instinctively I want to imitate it. I can't do that or I'll be laid up for the next two days and I got a book to pitch. So I can't do that. I got interviews <laughs> every day to do. Sure. Um, so, you know, a lot of people don't know that about me. Uh, which as a kid that came with lots of weird things like hyper-focus and stuff like that. So I got really obsessed with superheroes and comic books and things like that. And the backstories and their real names and all of the characters around them and their backstories. So early on, I had like this encyclopedic knowledge of it. I was obsessed like a lot of us on the spectrum are with this one particular thing. And that was the thing that I loved. Um, so that didn't help pushing me into comics like that <laughs> basically was my foundation as a kid. It started with superheroes and stuff as a kid and, you know, watching super friends and all that stuff growing up Saturday mornings. And, but also like, I think about things fairly logically for somebody whose brain works as weird as mine. So I wanted to be an engineer growing up. Like that was what I planned on doing. I wanted to be an inventor. I wanted to make cool things. And then I saw the Goonies and I fell in love with data on the Goonies and I wanted to be him when I grew up, man, he was my <laughs> idol. I wanted to yeah. build that coat. And my mother, the wise saint that she was decided that she wasn't going to take me to the junkyard to buy random stuff to make my coat out of, unless I had a detailed set of plans made first which is brilliant because she knew I would just bring home every cool thing that I saw. And, <laughs> you know, I was like, Oh, I, I can use this radiator. I swear. And, yeah. you know, so she made me draw out plans. So I spent all day and mm -hmm. night, every day drawing out plans for this coat and then inspector gadget hits and, Oh my God, now I want to be inspector gadget. And so I got to figure out how am I going to strap a lawnmower engine to my head on a football helmet so that i can fly and then you know robotech and voltron and all this stuff and i'm like okay well now i got to figure out how can i build a giant mech out of lawnmower engines and junk that i can find in the you know in the junkyard and my plans kept evolving and kept evolving until they got so ridiculous that i realized like i'm never going to be able to do this without some kind of magic power source you know like an arc reactor or something and my chances of stumbling across one of those are pretty slim so i finally decided that you know instead of actually being a hero or by this time a villain because i had realized there were no and this is the funny black and white way that my brain thinks i realized that there were no villains for me to fight if i decided to become a super villain and it seemed immoral to take all my ideas and plans and give them to criminals so they could be supervillains. So I would have somebody to fight that didn't seem right. And then I realized, you know, there's no superheroes either. So if I like became like Dr. Doom, nobody could stop me. And <laughs> so that became my goal from like middle school on, I was going to be a supervillain. <laughs> nice. And then I realized, you know, I'm never going to be able to have the kind of power source that I need. I'm never going to be able to have the money for some of the equipment that I'm going to need. I'm never going to look good in spandex at this point. And so I finally gave up and decided, you know what, I'm just going to draw comics because, you know, by this point I had mastered all these skills in drawing this stuff kind of by accident, like 
it wasn't my intent, but that's where we ended up at. And, you know, my brain is wired differently than most. And it gives me, it gives me a lot of trouble sometimes, but it also has given me a lot of gifts. Like I spit out new ideas faster than anybody I've ever seen. I put out work faster than just about anybody. I've only seen a couple of people like, like D fish that can keep up with me in speed wise. Um, and all that comes from my brain being wired differently, you know, but of course, sometimes I don't get to sleep for days or, you know, it's not always fun and games, but yeah. it does have its bonuses. That's yeah, that makes sense. I know. Um, like for me, when you talk about being hyper-focused on one subject, um, for me, I think I have something similar with professional wrestling because I know I know more than most normal people should know about professional wrestling <laughs> to the point where people message me and ask me random questions or ask, ask me for advice or just stuff like that. It's, yeah, it's a blessing yeah. and a curse, I guess you could say. <laughs> Absolutely. I yeah. get it, yeah. For sure. All right, so I mentioned that, you know, um, I've seen you do art for a really long time. Well, I don't say a really long time, but the last couple of years that we've been friends. Um, and I've seen that you've now started branching out into your own books. Uh, the first one that I remember seeing is Green Zone. How did oh, you come yeah. how did you come up with the idea for Green Zone? See, this is going to seem kind of unfair when I say it, but and I, I've come up with a lot of story ideas in other ways, but both green zone and the mighty Caw both came to me out of dreams and it kind of feels unfair because like green zone i had a dream that was like an excerpt out of the like netflix series or something about green zone and yeah. they explained so much of what was going on in that dream that i had that I woke up and I started drawing and, you know, pretty soon I had the entire world fleshed out and how it worked and all I had seen some of the characters already in my dream. So, you know, that was a no brainer and a couple of them took a little bit longer to work out, but like Virgil, the big eight foot tall lizard monster, dude, he yeah. came out fully formed and I get it. That sucks to hear for other people that work really hard on an idea. And I've done it too. But yeah, these these two particularly came out just out of a dream, almost fully formed. Yeah, Virgil is awesome. I think he's definitely, I mean, you had a lot of really good characters in Green Zone, but I think, you know, I've, I don't know what it is, but I, I have an affinity for the bigger, like bulkier characters. Mm -hmm. um and so i definitely i definitely really like him a lot just the big muscle guys and like all the characters especially in green zone but all of my characters really are all some variation of me in some way some some aspect of my personality or trauma or history or whatever taken to an extreme yeah. and given life and virgil is absolutely what it feels like to be bigger than everybody else in the world and be treated like you're a big scary monster when you're not and have yeah. people be afraid of you for no reason and have certain expectations of what you are and what you can accomplish simply based on your size and what you look like and their assumptions and never considering who you actually are and 
then like Bellamy, who is this tiny little like five foot nothing, 98 pound wisp of a woman in green zone and is covered in razor sharp quills all over her body. And if she bumps into somebody on the subway and stabs them accidentally, she could go to prison for the rest of her life. Um, if she stabs you with these quills, you can get very, very sick because they pick up all the contaminants in the air. So they're basically poisoned. And like, she lives in constant fear and you can see it in her body language. She's always got her arms tucked in. She's always looking over her shoulder because she's so uncomfortable in her own skin. And she is absolutely what it feels like to have your nervous system turned up to 15 all the time and everything hurts. And what it's like to be afraid of hurting everybody that you're around. Cause like, you know, if a normal person steps on your toe, it hurts. If six and a half feet tall, 400 pounds of me steps on your toe, it's broken. And I've been hypersensitive about that my whole life and, you know, have actually hurt people that I dearly care about because I tripped and fell into them. And so she's that aspect of my personal insecurities and fears taken to the extreme. And, you know, and everybody is Danny Kim in the book, you know, is one of those, Hey, how are you? Good to see you. Hey, there's my guy. You know, he's always fast talking. He's always friendly. Everybody's his best friend. He is absolutely what it's like for me to mask in front of neurotypicals to try and make everything run smoother and, you know, not just sit awkwardly in my corner drawing all day, but to put on that persona of, Hey, it's your uncle fish. Glad to see you because it makes everything run smoother. And so they're all me in some way or another, but you know, that makes them interesting and lets me make the characters deeper and richer and makes them more rewarding for me to write, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely it's easier to connect with a character when, you know, the creator has definitely the the personal pulls out of their personality and puts it into the character. It makes it a lot more relatable for sure. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what it feels like to be a five foot tall, 98 pound woman, right. but I absolutely know what it's like to be afraid of everything around you i know what it's like to be afraid of hurting the people around you i know what it's like to be uncomfortable in your own skin so i put all of that into her and it's been really touching to me to see how many other ladies have been able to look at this character and identify with her and that makes me feel good as a writer that it's connecting with people on a deeper level and that that brings me joy right there yeah definitely all right so you mentioned you have a book to promote right now and that's the mighty Ka, which absolutely look looks incredible. Um, I just read the proof that you sent me this morning, and man, I'm so stoked for for that series, man. It's gonna be so good. So yeah. I know you have you have your show, School of Fish, where you stream online and you draw live and have chats with people. And from my understanding, that's where Ka was born. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Um, yeah, I mean, largely, and like the main villain, the main overarching villain of the show, I absolutely created on the show by randomly rolling up powers. And we ended up with this really amazing character. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, this could tie into that. And this could tie into this. That ties into that. And then, oh, I've got it. We've got the big bad. And like, I've worked on the pages on the show, on the art stream. And like, as we were talking about, like how you can add little bitty things into a sentence or into the background that tell you so much about a world without having to go into all the details of it. 
And I was given some examples from other books that I had done. And I was working on this page and we were tossing out ideas. And we ended up having one of the pirates in the space pirates in the book, these weird bird alien looking things. And he ends up pulling a bug out of his hair and eating it. And like that little move in the background that's completely unrelated to the conversation they're having tells you so much about these guys and their cleanliness and the status of the ship and like tells you so much about them with that one little move that that's really interesting. And I love to give as much of those tips and advice and help that I can possibly give that I know about storytelling and that I've picked up over time and like Kaw like I said, with Green Zone, he came out of a dream, which, again, seems kind of unfair that it came so easily. But I'm friends with Stephen Butler, who, uh, you know, worked at Marvel during the Spider-Man clone saga and mm. is doing a bunch of stuff for Archie and has worked with Disney and all kinds of stuff. And he's doing his own Untamed Realms barbarian story. And so we're friends. We send each other pictures of what we're doing all day he's sending me all these barbarian pictures all day and and he's sending me all these snippets from old cartoons and stuff that we loved growing up as a kid and like the flash gordon serials and i'm laying down for a nap and i'm thinking about how much i loved the hawkman from flash gordon and i've always wanted to do a winged character but hawks are kind of done to death and i was like even owls which i love are done to death there's so many yeah. like midnight owls and black owls and, and stuff which are cool but i don't want to do another one of those and as I'm drifting off to sleep, I was thinking, you know, my favorite bird's always been the crow. And then I start to dream and all of a sudden I see Caw, the crow magnon, screeching in front of me in all of his powerful glory. And I wake up from that nap and I run into the other room and I start drawing him down. And my very first sketch of him is like 98% what he ended up looking like in the end i changed his jawline a little bit and i did several variations like i really played around with this one to try and see did i want to do something other than just my first draft and other than enlarging his hands and putting pants on him it's basically the same dude that it was in the first draw <laughs> and i just i got lucky that way but this story in particular like in green zone was the same way but this story when the idea hit me, it's almost like somebody just kicked over a fire hydrant and it just started flooding my brain and I couldn't stop. By the end of the next day, I had 20 something issues outlined. I had the first wow. issue written by the end of 30 days from that nap. I have the first issue finished, ready to go to print, sent to the printers. I have the Kickstarter set up, ready to launch. I have a Patreon set up. I have a, a Teespring account with merchandise and stuff in it. And I illustrated a client's book in that time. But like, I just, I haven't been able to shut it off. And the ideas just keep coming. And he's so much fun to write for. And Kaw has these three tenets that just tell you everything you need to know about who he is. Caw fears no man, Caw bows to no man, and Caw falls to no man. And that's basically his life story, you know, in a bird show. He he won't submit to anything. He's on his world of Zion, 
all the all the beings are evolved from different species of birds and there's like the raptor clan and the owl tribe and all kinds of different groups that have evolved from different birds yeah. and the cro-magnons are looked at as the least evolved because they're bigger and stronger and faster and they look a little more brutish um they don't come off as intelligent but they are very wise and they pay close attention and they can pick up things very quickly and Every, the ruling class was afraid of them because they're so big and powerful that they've enslaved them and they bind their wings. And, you know, if you get caught breaking free of your bindings and flying, then they'll strip your wings off of you. It, they're really brutal to them. And they train them to be everything from like house servants to cleaning the reactors and, you know, all kinds of things. And if you're not smart enough or you're too feral or violent to be trained to be a good slave, then you get fed to the arenas to fight and die for sport, for entertainment, for the masses. And Cog got sent to the arena as a fledgling and has been fighting every day of his life ever since. And it has honed him into like the galaxy's deadliest warrior. And, you know, without even meaning to the ruling class made their greatest enemy and the deadliest weapon. And then he like accidentally starts a slave revolt revolt and there's this giant uprising and then the angelic council that rules his world that's the most technologically advanced they have to hire some space pirate slavers to capture him and get him off world because you know they can't have him here anymore he's too dangerous and that's the first two pages and then it's off to the running after that like the story's quick it's action-packed it's kind of like you know the early Saturday morning cartoons when I was a kid, it's like, you know, when we last saw our hero, you know, he was dangling <laughs> off of a cliff. And then we have, yeah. bam, action, save the princess, slay the monsters, you know, boom, boom, boom. And then it's like, oh, no, how will our hero survive? Tune in next time. Like, I want to keep it fast and energetic and fun and keep it in a format that I can get out to backers quickly and cheaply. And, like, if it wasn't for having to stop to run a Kickstarter, I could get out 12 issues of call a year real easy so that's what i'm shooting for i want to get as many issues out as possible as quickly as i can get this stuff out of my brain and into y'all's brain <laughs> that's amazing i i have plenty of room in there for ka and for everything else that you make um so speaking of that you had said that you have like 20 issues lined out or outlined out um do you see like a big long drawn out thing for ka i mean do you have kind of anything past that um oh planned out oh yeah i mean like i've got plans past it like some things kind of take the the long approach you know like the big bad you will see him pulling strings in the background but cause still doesn't even know he exists at this point he doesn't know he's the one that's causing all this mayhem and bringing people from other worlds to come and try and destroy him because the big bad's afraid of cause taking his power away and whatnot and you know he knows that cause unstoppable and doesn't want him on his world and so like there's some things that take the long approach but also like i want you to be able to enjoy every issue on its own and so like there'll be a little bit of filling of like how we got here then the story and then you know oh no what's gonna happen tune in next week but like i want that part in the middle to be totally enjoyable on its own and that's one of the things that i love about call and why he fits that format so much better because like green zone deals with all kinds of political issues and everybody's relationships are intertwined and all like 
I need time to make you care about these characters so that you weep when they weep and you laugh when they laugh. Like, cause simple, cause to the point, cause all about kicking butt and taking names and saving the princess. Like, this is real easy to understand stuff. So, you know, we don't have to delve too deeply into what is my motivation for slaying the giant dragon? Like, you know, he can just come in and kick butt. And mm -hmm. we do find out more about him and, and like, when we hit three grand, I'm releasing the source book as an add-on. And I just got to tell you, when I wrote cause intro introduction in the, um, in the source book and talked about like how he got his name, I wept like it, it's emotional. There's depth to it, but also like, you don't have to necessarily like read every issue to be able to enjoy it. And that's one of the things that, kind of stops me from wanting to like say go pick up an issue of spider-man because i know to understand this issue of spider-man i'm going to need 16 other issues to know how we got here and who are we talking about and who's this guy that i've never seen before and i miss the good old days of just being able to pick up an issue and enjoy it and and i love the long-form storytelling and i do some of it myself but also mm -hmm. Like I want new readers to be able to come in and enjoy it too. And not feel overwhelmed by having to, you know, yeah. back for all the other issues. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, kind of like the old episodes of the Adam was Batman where the whole story was resolved by the end. Yeah. And sense. there's a cool cliffhanger, but you know, if you don't care, That's... you don't have to come back for that one. Like you got a story yeah. you can enjoy mm -hmm. and you know, if you want to come back, awesome. We'd love to have you, you know, I, yeah. I loved that about that. Yeah, and you definitely do leave it on a good cliffhanger. So I am very ready for the next one. <laughs> um, so the Kickstarter goes till next week, and you fund it on your birthday. Congratulations! Uh, that was, that's that's very amazing. That was awesome. That was an amazing birthday present. <laughs> and then you <laughs> took said, a lot of stress out of that birthday dinner. I got to tell you. Yeah, I bet. So you had said, um, if you reach a certain goal, you're going to release the source book. Do you have any other? And I, I can't remember. I'm sure you've already put it in the Kickstarter. I just can't remember if you have any other stretch goals for if we have any other goals that we haven't met yet. Yeah. Um, at 3,000, I'm going to be releasing the source book. And mm -hmm. at 4,000, I'm going to be releasing issue two as a pre-order, which I'll be able to get done relatively quickly and um, will be coming out next. And hopefully what I'm planning on is the next couple of issues I'm going to be sending, I'm going to be releasing on my Patreon first. And so the backers on Patreon will be able to get those like month after month. And then after I have like a stack of books, I'm going to go back to Kickstarter again for everybody that didn't back the Patreon that wants to catch up could get issues two, three, and four, you know, of call then. Um, but I'm hoping to move over to Patreon because I really think there's potential there to use it like a subscription service, especially as fast yeah. as I am. And I'm a one man show. I don't, I don't have to work around a whole bunch of other people's schedules. I don't have to worry about my colorist, you know, also as a soccer coach and a Cub Scout leader, like with a full-time job, yeah. I, I do it all myself and it's my day job. So I can get it done relatively quickly in a way that a lot of other people in indie comics just don't have the luxury of you know nothing sure. against them it's just i've got a lot of benefits being a one-man show and being able to do it all and um so i'm hoping if we can move over to that subscription type surface service 
I can save myself the time and effort of having to set up a Kickstarter because, you know, as much as I love Kickstarter and am so grateful for everybody that has supported us on Kickstarter over the years. And I love backing comics on Kickstarter. I love the community on Kickstarter, but it takes a lot out of you to run one too. And like the time that I've spent setting up the Kickstarter and running the Kickstarter, I could have got the next two issues of call out and like it, takes a good bit out of me and this is basically all i can do for this time like that's part of the reason it's a short kickstarter because i can't do anything else during this time right. and like i can only go so long but without you know making pages to pay the bills to you know so oh yeah for sure yeah i know i've never actually done a kickstarter myself but i know i've helped share and spread the word of, of other kickstarters and i know just that alone sometimes can be exhausting, let alone having to have nothing on going on, but, you know, pushing your own thing for, for ever, mm-hmm. or for the whole month or whatever it goes on. Um, do you have any other projects coming up? Uh, right now I am working on uh, the next issue of the Sentinels for standard comics, which will be, uh i think it's launching on kickstarter pretty soon and i'm gonna have it wrapped up by the uh by the end of june for sure that's what i'm contracted to i know i'll probably have it out earlier than that but it'll be done long before probably the kickstarter's done and it's time to go to print because uh roy's good about that roy's the one that taught me about you know having your books ready to go before you go to kickstarter and uh the only reason that he's even going to launch before I'm a hundred percent finished is because he knows I'm so fast and we've done so many books together at this point. He knows it's not a question of whether I'm going to get it done or not. You know, he knows I'm not going to flake on him or anything, but uh, yeah, that's going to be coming next. And then I'm going to be going straight into the next issue of call and probably the next issue after that, then probably I think I might leave it up to vote by my Patreon supporters to see if the one after that's going to be the next green zone or the next call, because the folks on Patreon are the ones that are going to be getting it first. So I'm going to let them start to vote on what the next book that I work on after that. And I'm hoping, hoping by the end of this year, I can get to doing predominantly just my books and that'll give me the freedom to be able to work on, when I want to work on another book, it can be something that I'm passionate about and I really care about and not, I've loved all the books I've worked on and I've been really lucky, but you know, sometimes you're like, Oh, I, I got bills to pay. I need to get something else scheduled. And I, you yeah. know, don't really care what it is. I've been lucky that it's always been cool stuff, but it's not, I'm not always going to be that lucky. <laughs> yeah, so being sure. able to do my books and get my stories out there and then work on the stuff that I love with other people that I get to collaborate with. That's the dream job right there. Man. You know, like the best of both worlds, you get your stuff out and then you get to help other people get their stuff out. Mm-hmm. So you kind of still hit both ends of the spectrum. really. And I have got to collaborate with some of the most awesome people on some of the most awesome stories. And you know, some of these characters I love absolutely as much as I love my own characters, you know, mm. which every once in a while can make me a little bit difficult because I'm like, you know, no, five star wouldn't do that. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I try and I try and be understanding, but yeah, that sometimes I can get a little difficult when I get too invested because, you know, sure. I love them and I want the book to be as best as it could possibly be. Yeah. 
that makes sense. Um, so I guess uh, final thoughts. Uh, what's a bit of advice you'd give to a to an up and coming creator or a creator that maybe is kind of hesitant to get started in doing something or doesn't really know what to do? Like, what's what's some advice you'd give to creators out there or just anyone that wants to start doing something that they're passionate about? Get started doing it. I know everybody is so hung up about, well, what if I do it and it sucks? Well, I love you. It's going to suck. Your first book is going <laughs> to suck. You're going to screw yeah. up. You're going to make mistakes. I know I did. I I love T-Man and Hyperstrike, which I'd done a lot of small like ash cans before that and other projects, but that was my first like officially printed and published book. And I look back at it now and I'm like, Ooh, oh, I could have done that a lot better. But it's a good book. People loved it. People enjoyed it. And it got me out there and it got me busy doing other people's books. Yeah. And, you know, and each one I got better and better and better and it goes easier and faster and nothing, nothing will get you better at your artwork than actually making pages, like regularly making pages. Even if you're just illustrating Mary had a little lamb or whatever old script you can get your hands on yeah. making pages is the best teacher I have drawn as my job ever since like junior high. And I have never increased artistically the way I have over the last like five years that I've been doing this full time. I've just increased exponentially, but I've gone from drawing like one t-shirt image a day or one logo or one, you know, whatever a day to doing like six or seven, eight, 10, 12 pages a day, depending on what I'm working on with four to six to 12 panels per page and a billion hands and a billion faces over and over and over again. And I just got so much better, so much faster because of this type of doing it over and over and over. I'm not afraid. When I went into my first issue of Sentinels, I was like, oh my God, he's got so many female characters in this book. And I rarely draw females for whatever reason. Like my kids didn't ask for it. My kids asked for Spider-Man and the Hulk. And so I drew a lot of that. Sure. They didn't really ask for a lot of Wonder Woman. Um, I was like, I know how to draw women, but man, I, I haven't had to do one in a book. Now, I love drawing women and I love I, all kinds of different body shapes and faces and, and noses. And, you know, it's second nature to me now, you know, I'm not afraid of drawing hands or feet or any of these things that used to intimidate me because I do it a billion times a day. And the other big tip is to guard your reputation because it is more precious than gold. So you always need to be communicating with the clients. You always need to be honest with the clients. And like, you know, if you don't have time for it, you need to admit that you don't have time for it. Not, yeah, 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 I'll figure it out and then be late. Um, and you always need to do your best work. It doesn't matter if the client's a jerk or if the time limit was short or they weren't paying very much. The reader doesn't know that. The, and you're not going to be standing over their shoulder be like, yeah, well, you don't know what he said to me in a text message. It doesn't matter. The reader sees your pages and your name, and that's the kind of work you do. And you don't want that on your reputation. And yeah. you dang sure don't want it to be inconsistent. You don't want crappy pages over here because they paid $20 a page and really slick pages over here because they paid $200 a page. And then the readers are looking at that saying, well, I'd like to hire him, but 
You never know what you're going to get with this dude. They don't know the difference. They don't know what went on behind the scenes. All they know is this is your name and your work. So make it the best you can in the time that you have. And because that kind of stuff is what goes towards building your reputation. And that's why people know they can trust me to do a good job and know that I'm going to get the book out there because, you know, I'm not going to pitch fit in the middle of it and stomp my feet and say, no, I'm out of here. I'm not going to do this and leave them hanging. Like that's my reputation. And I can't have that, you know, even the toughest clients I've ever dealt with would tell you glowing recommendations about working with me because I gave them my absolute best and sometimes even better because they were so difficult and I didn't want the work to suffer. So sometimes (laughs) they got a little bit of extra for nothing because, you know, I didn't want to let the page suffer just because I might be angry with them right this second. Yeah. That's definitely good advice. And I know, you know, the, the advice you gave of, you know, your first thing is going to suck. So you just need to jump in and do it. I mean, this show is a perfect example of that because, you know, I've been trying to do something like this for a long time, but I've just been terrified of, I can't do it until it's perfect. You know, then finally, I mean, even being on video, that's something I've been completely terrified of doing now. And now, you know, talking to you, I've done two of these now, both on video. So, I mean, you just got to just, if it's, you can't let, the fear of it sucking stop you if you really want to do it you're never going to get to okay you're never going to get to good you're never going to get to amazing yeah you know you're never going to get to man i wish i could be like him if you don't like let it suck first and let it be hard and figure it out as you go along and increase as you go like i'm I'm fixing to move my whole office around to a different room in the house and change some things around just because like I've been able to increase the way I do things and my production value as we go. But now I'm noticing things like because I'm on the same electrical circuit as our deep freeze, because I'm in this room every once in a while, I get a click in the video. That's a tiny thing. That's not nearly as bad as the problems I had when I started in my bedroom with my phone stacked up on a pile of books on the bed. Like (laughs) these are tiny problems now, but I'm like, oh, I can fine tune that and we can move and I can have better control over the lighting and I can do this and I can make a cooler backdrop. And so, yeah, you know, you keep improving as you go step by step. Yeah, for sure. All right, sir. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. It's been an awesome chat. Um, do you want to take a few minutes to, to plug your stuff? Absolutely. Uh, thank you, everybody that tuned in. I really enjoyed being here. And of course, I am Mr. Fish from Mr. Fish Comics. You can find me everywhere on the internet at Mr. Fish Comics, whether it's .com or TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. Um, and you can go to gomrfish.com. That will take you straight to my Kickstarters. And right now, that's the Mighty Caw, the Crow Magnet, issue one, which is available <laughs> until June 2nd. And it is my pride and joy. It is a love letter to all things 80s and 90s that we grew up, all the cartoons that we love, He-Man and Thundercats and Space Ghost and all those things mixed together. It is fun. It is action-packed. 
it is wonderful. I love it. There's six days left to go. And we're just like 500 bucks away from hitting that first stretch goal and releasing the source book, which is going to have all kinds of awesome information about his home world and other characters that are going to be coming up later on in the series. So you're going to get sneak peeks about all that stuff. So absolutely go check it out at gomrfish.com and everything else at Mr. Fish Comics. Definitely go check it out. I just, like I said earlier, I read it this morning and it's definitely one you're not going to want to miss. Um, housekeeping for me, you know, check this out and all other stuff on geek-network.com, uh, GeeksAZ on Twitter and IG, uh, Geek Network on Facebook, where you'll find this show and all sorts of other shows on those social medias, plus lots of other nerd news and promotions and all sorts of other stuff because we're here to make the internet a more positive place. Um, check me out on CD is weird on Instagram and the music at the start and the end of the show is from my friend, Chris's band polygon horizon. The name of the song is pizza force. Definitely go check them out on Bandcamp. there. He's an incredible artist. Check out some of his other music. Um, and I forgot to do this last time. So I want to apologize to these guys. Uh, the field by weird logo is done by my friend, Chris Chandler. Uh, go check him out on, at Chandler Doma on Instagram and Twitter. And the cartoon logo and the cartoon of me is done by my friend Mike Belcher. He's an, also an incredible artist. You find him at, at Mike Belcher one on Twitter and at Mike W underscore Belcher on Instagram. And remember, kids, to embrace the things that fuel your weird and always geek responsibly.